Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon once again, as we have been for the last ten and a half years. This is our 11th season. Yeah, I've got that right. Uh, And after a weekend of Six Nations rugby, of England-Saxons rugby, kind of, and... Oh, I don't know. Is there anything else? A bit of top 14, maybe? Under 20s, top 14, Super Rugby kicked off. Yeah, there you go. All of that that jazz. Goodness me. All of that jazz. So if you, uh, well, wherever you get your podcast, hit subscribe. That's just one really easy way. Doesn't cost you anything, doesn't take you any time, but you can show your appreciation, make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, And you can do likewise by going to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers for more extra content. Uh, you will find JB, who's right there. Hello. Hello, Tim. Uh, you'll find JB at, well, at Beardmore and Beardmore and Beardmore. Beardmore Co. Independent Financial Advisors. That's where you'll find me. Beardmore Cube Financial Advisors. Yeah. Advising hard every day. Yeah. Uh, you'll find... Or follow me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to yeah. find me. You'll find Phil at Sail Harriers Running Track, doing some running on <laughs> Monday nights, probably. Is that tomorrow I, night's plan? I am hope, hoping to have my first track session in about six months tomorrow night like, is that is that because you've been injured because i've been injured. Oh, do how 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 uh it was still the hangover from the charity game the essentially legends game that we played in uh, over 12 months ago 14 months ago yeah yeah bloody hell yes and my ankle is hopefully touch wood um ready for a track session tomorrow a light track session tomorrow and, you, uh, and you'll find me on the fastest growing rugby YouTube channel uh, in the UK, maybe My in God. the world. Let's just talk about your YouTube channel. 70,000 subscribers have gone past now. Perfect. Awesome. So this week, I, I know that our email account is a joint email account. You could stay in, you could stay in South Africa every <laughs> single day in a different house for 20 years. That's how many offers you've got from South Africans to stay in their houses. Well, I'm coming to South Africa in June, July for the Ireland South Africa test and in August, September for New Zealand South Africa. So, uh, yeah, all offers of help. Offer, you need more, do you? All offers of help My are welcome, whether, that, whether that's just a bit of local knowledge, whether that's uh, um, a local rugby club to come and uh, enjoy some hospitality in, um, a, a very wealthy listener who wants to sponsor the trip. Or the podcast, or the podcast. Or <laughs> the podcast, yeah, yeah. T right. Anyway. Um, yeah, we've got lots to talk about, but let's start with the Six Nations. Did, how, how much did you enjoy the weekend's rugby? It was okay. I mean, it wasn't the best weekend of Six Nations rugby, but it was okay. I've got to say, on Friday evening, a good barometer of how much I'm looking forward to it is how excited I am driving back from Wales. And I was very excited about these games. I thought the two games on Saturday were something to look forward to. Broadly speaking, they were, I thought. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed today's actions the Sunday mm. game France versus Italy 
far more than I was expecting. Yeah, I was wondering whether we just start at the very end, like not even. I've like, not, not watched it, boys. Well, well, oh, well, well. let me and Phil take you yeah, through. Then. And, and let's let's just well, we can we can loop back around the eighty minutes itself, but the end. So did you did you see or hear the way it ended? I heard there's a penalty missed. Thirteen points all. Italy managed to win a, a penalty. France are going from it inside their own twenty-two to try and go for the win. France, who've got 14 men on the pitch. 14 men on the pitch, because of an earlier red card, just before half-time to Jonathan Dunty. Uh, and uh, Zuliani? I think it was Zuliani. W- yeah, w- the, wins, the, wins a turnover in a very kickable position, about 40 metres out, just 10 metres to the left of one of the posts. Yep. And Garbisi's lining it up. Garbisi, who's slotted a touchline conversion. Touchline conversion after Capo. Five minutes, trying. 10 minutes before yeah. that. So this is well within his range. And bearing in mind this is in a stadium with the roof closed in Lille. Oh, my word. No wind. And the ten, min- 10 seconds to go left on this shot clock and the ball falls over. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the ball falls over and you look at the shot clock and it's like 10, 9. So we just had to stand it up. Oh, no. Take three and it, steps And it back hit the post. And swing. I did see some remarkably stupid comments about this on Twitter, actually. Um... One of my favourite comments from one of my least favourite rugby pundits, who's not even a rugby pundit, he's like a he's, he's somehow this like barrister who ends up commenting on things and catastrophizing things, uh, claimed that this draw, this is the match which would put to bed forever the nonsense of Italy getting relegated. One game puts to get puts to bed a conversation forever about the future, forever, regardless of what happens in the future. What a ju- it's no wonder is it the, the legal profession is so screwed when these are the <laughs> brightest minds that they have to offer. The same guy who this is exactly the same guy who on Twitter the, the other week says something like uh, regard, I think it's a Jim Hamilton quote or something about the laws. This is why ex players should not be involved in writing the laws for rugby. Like who should be? Some, some some solicitors, like who is it? Who is the game there to serve? Solicitors. The, the, the only people I'd want more involved in making the laws than ex players would be current, current players. players. Yeah, no, no, fifteen-year-old boys. Fifteen-year-old boys know what they want from rugby, yeah. and that—that's uh, who should be making the laws. Is it exciting to a fifteen-year-old boy? Yes, it is. Then that's what we shall do. Well, I agree with you that that's a, a slightly ludicrous hyperbolic statement. But I, uh, this, this puts the one game yeah, puts I to know, bed forever. That is ridiculous. A debate which the, will last for time. What I will say is. It would have made the most incredible weekend for Italy, whose under twenties beat France on their own patch. Oh, the world champion they under twenties smashed them in the scrum. Did you see the highlights? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I loved was the um, one of the forwards belting out Ness and Dormer in the dressing that room was afterwards. Incredible. Yeah, that Amazing. showed up on one of my feeds. Uh, somehow, I'm on like a rugby Reddit thread. I- I've never been on Reddit. But because don't, it's... Don't shown, go on there, mate. I, I, no, I, I, I never <laughs> intend to, right? But my phone knows that I like rugby and s- therefore sends me highlights if there's like a, a video or something that might be of interest to me on Reddit. It sends me these like these videos. I don't know how it knows, but it knows. It sent me that one. It's a nice service. Yeah, it is, actually. It's like all of the good bits of Reddit without actually having to read it or contribute to it. So... So Italy's defence is vastly improved. That's what Gonzalo Casada has achieved in the short space of time mm. with Italy. Their attack, not quite as potent as it was, but they showed a lot of heart and dog and they will feel gutted not to have got a win. Gonzalo? Gonzalo? Casada, former head coach of Stade Francais. Uh, yep. Do you know where he was a fly-off for many a year? Uh, well, apart He's from Argentina. Argentina. But not his club site. Not, yeah. not his club scene, though, is it? Um, I remember him playing. I think they played in orange, or they either played in the orange or green. 
Orange or Grey? Uh, Free State cheat? Free State? No. no. Some, some French team. Norbon. Norbon. Yeah. Okay. I remember playing at Norbon back go. in the day. Um, what, what, what was I going to say? Yeah, So, but we we can briefly have a, have a... I think we should get on to other games. We can always come back to this one. But just France, what what, what is going on? Well, How have they fallen off a cliff so much? Yeah. It's the France. I mean, what kind of question is this? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the old uh, Brian Moy. Never know which French t- team to turn up. <laughs> but th- but we, we kind of thought we'd got past that stage yeah. because they are not the French team of old. Or we thought they weren't the French team of old. We thought they were consistently one of the best teams in the world. And post-World Cup hangover, whatever you want to call it, whether it is the attrition rate of the top 14 or whether it's just losing a couple of the world's best players in mm. Dupont and Entomac. Um Flamont, Mayaf, who's not there. Yeah, but Jalonch. I would always yeah. question how good a team is if you rely on like I totally agree total stars, I, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is personnel because at the World Cup they didn't have Dupont for a couple of the pool games and they smashed everyone in front of them. Well, they, they put sixty points on Italy, on Italy. In, in the in the World Why? Cup in the group stage on this Italy. Exactly. What seems to be going on from what I can gather, inferring what some people have said and some people that have contacted me that are actually in France and sort of more connected with what the media are saying, uh, Galtier's got rid of all of his backroom staff including Ibanez, who was basically the sort of conduit between mm. him and the players. And he brought the soft skills. Galtier is, is, uh, uh, lives in the extremes. Well, doesn't yeah. Jim Hamilton describe him as a cowboy? I don't know. So he was, Galtier was in charge. I'm sure, did Jim go to Montpellier? Have I made yeah. that? Yeah, yeah I that rings so. a bell. So there's one story he told, I think it was in like the Times back in the day, when he was first getting into the media. Galtier was in charge of the ship there, mm-hmm. and Jim is trying to institute some sort of fitness thing with with the rower. Everyone hated it so much that next time he got in the rower, someone had actually cut the wires to the, to the Concept 2, so he couldn't use it, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> that's not a healthy atmosphere, is it, boys? <laughs> Sabotaging the gym. Wow. Sabotaging the rower. Your exercise equipment. <laughs> yeah. so, the for, so the forward coach has gone, the uh, Ibanez, who I think was a very important person for the, the whole atmosphere. and the one So it's, was Ibanez doing kind of like the Richard Hill rule in this England team? I think he's... Richard Hill is the team manager. Yeah. But he kind of interfaces be- but team between managers. the team I don't think he was team manager in the sense that, like, there's your kit, here's where we're getting on oh, the bus. No, what, 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 what I think a team manager is. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think, no, he wasn't that type of team manager. Gets the bus organised. No, no. no he was, he was one of the coaches. He was. I think he might have been um, kind of Galtier's. He always was like Galtier's number two, if mm. you like. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he, I think one of his key roles was kind of the soft skill people management stuff. Anyway, what was really interesting, I don't know if you saw Sean Edwards's post-match interview. I've not, no. One of the things he said, that um, Topsy Ojo said to him, could you put your finger on what's going on with France? And Sean Edwards went, well, the defence is good. Ooh, that's yeah. never, that's very Dorian West, that is. Yeah. Well, the line-out's good, is it? <laughs> yeah, which, Righto. I mean, he went on and talked about, oh, I think we just need to do this with the attack and stuff. But the fact that he sort of went, I, I, the job I'm doing is great, says to me, like, they feel like there's there's, there's an axe about to swing. Mm. So, which is not, that doesn't seem, and the fact, and another thing in terms of the game that I saw and thought, that feels unusual, was Penno whinging at the ref. And he's a guy that just has a big smile on his face all the time, and he was getting frustrated and whinging. And yeah, was like, there was, there was one... I can't remember who attempted to give the pass to him that was an unsuccessful pass down the right wing yeah. late on in the game. 
and Penno was really like whinging. The best way to describe yeah. it at, at his own teammates at that, which so, again is, it seems unlike him. So it might be putting two and two together and making five, but those two bits of individual evidence, I think, yeah. hint, hint at some. Uh, I can tell you which player it was because yeah. he did it three times. Mofana, uh, he ran three times late on in the game. Uh, twice on the left, once on the right. He ran across and just ate up 20 yards of space and either gave a crap pass. Where's he playing now? Bordeaux. My beloved Bordeaux. Where's he play Bordeaux? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Him with with Penaud. With Penaud. Uh, yeah. Him and Benny Saps at the they centers. got Luku, Jalibert, Penaud, Moafana, BL, Bieri. They've got like, basically the whole French back line except for, except for Ramos. Maybe that's what they're missing. And Bioros, and they've got the yeah. deep... Uh, Deportier, de, yeah, the centre, he's ace. Yeah, Benny Taps is kind of like backup. Uh, yeah, backup. Nah, don't believe you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but Mo Farner did that three times, including the conclusion of the game, which mm. was Just ran into touch. Yeah, which was weird because France they have to win. Like they're at home to a much weaker team, even though they've got fourteen men, and they had multiple opportunities uh, in the final five minutes to attack from anywhere. And they attacked from anywhere. So for Mofana just basically to run the ball off the pitch to to um, conclude the game, there'll be a lot of disappointed uh, French players and yeah. fans at that. Just on the kick itself, Phil, did you think there was any argument for the kick to be taken again or or the shot clock to be extended? There was. It was a bit weird because there was a lot of movement from the French players. Yeah, and forwards towards the ball as well. Yeah, there was a there was a water. There was carrier on as well, yeah. just sort of walking around in front of the kicker. It was weird. I would have liked his uh, Christoph Ridley, wasn't it? Yeah. I would have liked him to just stop. Like when, like because the ball went out, so he, he couldn't stop it when there's the last ten seconds. I don't think. Yeah. Because the ball went out so fast after that, I think it would have been like it was within five seconds yeah. of it hitting the post. The ball was off the pitch and the game was over. I th- it probably was scope to go back and just say, right, what actually happened? Is there any infringement that we um, will impact the kick that we could potentially allow it to be retaken? Mm. Just for satisfaction. But I'd, overall, I mean, yeah. it, there's got to be an error from um, Garbisi. Yeah. Because the ball, the ball doesn't just fall off a tee yeah. in a stadium with no wind. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so is so Italian. I mean, the, the Netflix series is shaping up to be a great one <laughs> when we watch it next year. Some of the stories already that we've got that that the France France getting out of jail, yeah, two weeks ago and today, yeah, France they just didn't look. Mm. They started off well, obviously at the Olivon try, yeah, but then from minutes twenty through to say thirty eight in the first half, they had a. There was one stat during that period. They'd had 100% territory in the last 10 <laughs> minutes and not not were unable to get over the line. That's very unFrench-like. It's testament to the Italian defence, but it's also poor by France to have yeah. so much territory and just get nothing out of it. Yeah. Agreed. Um Contact chasers at gmail.com with any thoughts you have on anything, by the way, and I'll get through some of the emails. Uh, as we go through, can you can you get past all the South African ones that you can oh. actually be able to? <laughs> I've I've been through them through and, and put them elsewhere, <laughs> so you haven't got to, you haven't got them clogging up uh, clogging up our collective email. They're all filed. Um, so I'll give you a teaser. Yeah, before we move on, 
occasionally we talk about things that have happened online and nonsense like that. And this week, I've ended up having to send messages to someone from another podcast. In this mm. case, it's Blood and Mud. But because I'm Who? the kind of guy I am, I've actually recorded the message. So I'm going to play this message at the end of the podcast. So this is a message that has been sent, sent and received on WhatsApp. and responded to, and I'll tell you all about it later. Wow. It is going to blow your mind. Is it potentially Patreon pod? No, it's not. It's most certainly not. I want everyone to hear this. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, that's JB. Do you know what? So I am a... No, I know I am. I don't need to pretend to be. I am a professional broadcaster. Yeah, it's your whole living. Twenty years of <laughs> twenty years of radio, and that is about as good a tease as I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified. Nervy, the nervous. To the point, I reckon there's probably a lot of people who right now will skip to the end <laughs> to hear it and then come back to this. <laughs> Welcome back. If you've just been to the end of the podcast and you've heard what JB was talking about, I've got no idea at this point. Neither does Phil. He's looking nervous. We will see. <laughs> Interesting. Can't wait. I'm sure it'll be lovely and fun and wholesome. Anyway. Um, yeah, we, we can always touch on more for, of that game, but let's, let's get into the let's get down and into the weeds of England and Scotland, Ooh. particularly England, because Scotland. Congratulations on a win! Yeah, and can I say more broadly speaking, have you ever done a Six Nations game at Edinburgh? Yeah, uh, one maybe two. Yeah, Definitely one. I've done at least two. I think I well two. No, yes, two. I've, I've done two Scotland v Wales games. I've never done England. Or, or indeed any other but team. But I'm sure it was probably similar in the sense that Edinburgh is an absolutely cracking place on a Six Nations weekend. Awesome. You know, I, I loved it. Yes and no. So if you like a good drink, and I am guilty of that, sometimes these places are not the best places to go. I mean, it's good to be with all your mates and not have all the pubs heaving, but later on at night it does get a little bit... It's hard, it's hard to get in places. It's mm. hard to know where to go. Well, that's what I'd say. That is true. But actually, yeah. For the daytime, it's amazing. The whole day, yeah. Amazing. Mm. For, for that four forty-five kickoff, just having the whole, like the, all of the pubs were rammed from mm. walking down eleven a.m. Yeah. The grass market and uh, yeah, it, was, it is actually brilliant. I don't want to talk about. It. It's great, and it's such a beautiful city. It's all. gorgeous. It's so cool. Yeah, there, there's one more game up in Edinburgh this year, isn't there? Uh, yeah. There must be one. So they're playing over in Dublin. So they must have it, uh, it's Italy, Italy in two weeks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is pretty good. It's so, tremendous. Sam Warburton was writing in the paper this week um, that obviously he experienced Murrayfield an awful lot as a Wales player, but he'd never experienced obviously an England mm. Scotland game, and he said his first time experiencing it as a commentator it actually shocked him, like the like the intensity of feeling. Yeah, I'd heard this. Something. I mentioned it on the podcast last week, and in fact, quite a few Scotland fans got in touch and said, "Oh no, we, 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 we'll be really nice. Yeah, we want the team to win, but we'll be." Re- I wasn't suggesting that it was it crossed any lines. We're, we're, yeah, we weren't suggesting sectarian violence. I was looking Scotland. I was looking forward to a little bit of edge. I'd heard, I'd heard there was a little bit of edge, and there was. Was there? Yeah, there was. It was. Um, yeah, you felt it. Like not, not. I, did, I never felt un, unwelcome or that it was right really hostile not like a you know a real partisan football crowd but it was the closest to a football crowd in an, in a, in, a, in a UK international 
mm. stadium that I've felt. Or yeah, a, a UK the, rugby game. The Celtic games are very much like brothers in arms. It's all a bit... Mm, yeah. But yeah, when um, England show up, so England-Wales, when I've been to see that game, that's dynamite. Like every mm. time they tried swing low, it got booed to silence. Really? Yeah, the whole crowd just like... The only way to show up Scotland is to beat them. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the only way to do it. Something that England have summarily failed to do for the last four years. Yeah, and four in a row... Do you know that, the last time that happened? That, that stat I, that's been going around? I, I heard the stat. Victorian era. 1896. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got England's number. 18 for, when? 1896. And they're probably busy... Someone was probably busy drawing up the plans for the for the Titanic then. <laughs> <laughs> Sketching it out. It's incredible, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, that's... They've, they've got England's number for sure. Although the first ten minutes it looked great. So just yeah. on Scotland, then. I mean, do you agree with me that they just need across the fifteen to be serviceable? As in, they just can't be outcompeted utterly, and then they've got enough individuals with enough magic to do the damage. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as long as they can get parity in and around the set piece and the breakdown, which they very much did mm. in this game. They did. They have so much kind of attacking dynamite. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can totally understand why Scotland didn't want and have resisted uh, losing the the down week, the second fallow week, which will be gone next year because they do not have a deep squad. And like, if Xander Fagerson is not fit, Scotland are screwed. Well, it's one of those things they are screwed. I don't know. It must be very nice for a Scotland player to know, particularly a forward. If I just do my job adequately, if I really focus on just doing my job. We should win this because I don't need to go above and beyond what my capability is. I just need to do hit those rocks as hard as I can, scrimmage as hard as I can. I, in a way, it's liberating. Mm. Whereas if you're England and you're Ben Earl, you're thinking, I need to win this. Somehow I need to get in, in the loose. I need to do some magic. I need to accelerate away and score tries left, right and centre because nobody else is doing it. <laughs> Whereas in Scotland, it must be very comforting to know, just do your job and you'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, because it'll either be um, Finn... Or it'll be Hugh Jones, or it'll be Stain, or Kinghorn, or Tuipilotu, or oh my word, yeah, someone's du- doing something. Duand, yeah, oh Duand my is. word, it must be. That's kind of the only way that forwards make backs comfortable. <clears throat> it's the opposite for Scotland. It's the, the sheer quality of those backs must make the forwards incredibly comfortable. Mm. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And one of their their bad losses uh, of the last six months was against South Africa, where. They did they, get outmatched. Yeah, they and, did. And, and do you see it, Jesse Creel really said they were the toughest, he felt they were the toughest team they faced. Mm. And they did fall away in the last half hour, but Scotland butchered a great chance and mm. they were looking great against South Africa. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the the story on that one is apparently they kept Finn Russell quiet. I don't think they did. I just think they put enough pressure on the Scotland pack that it impacted on Finn. I mean, maybe, maybe it's one and the same. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is I don't buy the narrative that you focus on Finn Russell. Yeah. Yeah, you're focusing yeah, yeah. on the wrong thing. You're solving for the wrong problem. Yeah. You want to beat Scotland, you've got to beat their pack because they are beatable and then hopefully everything will sort of crumble around it. Yeah. And that's not what happened this time. Although there were there were moments when Ferguson went off yeah. and Miller Mills came on that you thought maybe... maybe Instant was... scrum penalty, which yeah. I think is what George Ford scored the three points from to go 10-0 up. Yeah. Uh and you think maybe, maybe we can kind of use this momentum and build on it, but hmm. couldn't. And Scotland, to their great credit, Finn Russell's great, great credit, they England conceded few penalties, 
Um, but Scotland just kept it going. England only conceded five penalties. That was amazing. Scotland took three. They've got three lots of three points from those five penalties. Uh, and Finn Russell again was immaculate from the boot. Yeah. So I was being... Uh, I came away disappointed in the result. Loved the experience. Mm-hmm. But kind of thinking... All right, I'm going to give England the benefit of the doubt a little bit because I saw a bit more from them, a bit of endeavour. Do you know what it was? I was on the train today. I woke up in a, in a different mood. I was thinking, oh, am I just... I had some beers last night and I'm up early and on the train. Am I just a bit grumpy? Maybe. But then I happened to be, just as chance would have it, was sat opposite from Chris Foy, Daily Mail rugby correspondent. Ah. And when he was talking about it, I was like... Do you know what he's absolutely? Did you say hello to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, had, we had a good old chat. Make a beeline for Chris's article because it will be mm. very good. And I was like, oh, what, what, what are you writing then? Because all the guys that do the Sunday uh, reports, like Stephen Jones, Stuart Barnes, and all the rest of it, they'll um, they'll be focused more on the game. Whereas the guys that do the articles on Monday, like Chris, mm. will maybe potentially going in a little bit. And he was like, what is going on? So here's the thing: it's not good enough. All right, well, let me just... Tell me what you don't think is good enough. Right. Jamie George, Steve Borthwick, they're leaning on this narrative that this is a new team and it's a transition. Okay. And I'm calling BS on that. That That is, and I said this previously on the podcast, that's rubbish. It's not a new team. They've lost Owen Farrell, they've lost Courtney Laws. Who else? They've got hundreds of caps in that team that went out there yesterday. That is not an excuse. You've got players like Ollie Lawrence... When he plays for Bath, he runs around with the ball in one hand, doing amazing things. When he yep. plays for England, he he throws the ball into touch. You've got yeah, George Furbank, yeah. um, who just glides when he plays for Northampton, and he, he was like, he looked all right, Furbank. To be fair, no, I'm, I'm, he, I'm had not, two, I'm, he had two bad handling errors, had, one which led yeah. to the second Duan try. George Ford is just the most natural, smooth rugby player, and he's wanging a ball into Furbank's head. I don't know what's going on, but poor, yeah, poor, there was. There was multiple poor passes from Ford. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. So, so, my, well, so, just, my, so just... my conclusion on this, just to complete, yeah. the, complete the thinking, is they're overcoached and he's just not letting the boys play. Okay, so let's, have a, let's sort of build the counter-narrative this. I think the first thing I'd point out is, well, they weren't very good to start with. That's why Steve Bortick has a job, because they weren't very good. They were on the, they were on the decline, even with those great players. They just weren't performing, and that's why Eddie Jones had to go. Now... Steve Borthwick inherited this team, but they weren't particularly good until they met South Africa. And they're like, ooh, that's a bit tasty. That's all right. Now, it's possible that a team like that, who are good individual players, can raise their game enough to paper over the cracks of the entire rest of the competition, which may have happened. But then Argentina wasn't a terrible performance, but it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Yeah, Argentina was, it was a utilitarian or efficient performance. It wasn't... It wasn't an amazing performance, but they, they did a hell of a job. And they dominated yeah. on that night. Yeah. Now, you fast forward to the Six Nations, the first two games were against weaker opposition. Mm-hmm. And this is the yeah. real test that they had. Now, I'm not against this method of playing which I've got, but if you're going to do it, you can't make mistakes. And they're making too many mistakes. That's the thing, they're making far too many mistakes. But what? That, that's, but that's this is my point. Why? Mm. Why? What, why do players look completely different in an England shirt than in a club shirt. Well, I think this might be the point they're bringing up, which is it's a new team, not in terms necessarily of personnel, but mm. maybe in terms of the application of the plans which they're you know looking to employ. Uh, that would make sense to me. Uh, Felix Jones coming on board. I mean, 
there's a lot of stuff spoken this week about how their fitness will be tested. I don't think that is true because I think these are naturally incredibly fit athletes anyway. I don't think mm. fitness is kind of... It might, maybe if it's a fitness thing, I think it's going to be the fitness of their mindset because your mind will defeat you far, far, far before your body if you're a player of that of that calibre. I think those mental, those mental errors could really account for quite a lot, actually. And the, the fitness, if you look at the depth of England's bench compared to uh, Scotland's bench, then England should have yeah. the fitness boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fitness should yeah. not come into it from England's perspective. Yeah, but, but just yeah. on the point, JB, I, I, I take the points you made, but how do you square... What I've said that I'm I'm just calling BS on this whole narrative about oh we're a team we're on a journey, it's early days we're in transition. No, you're not. Well, they're not. Know about, do they? I mean, that's the thing. So back to the the Ollie Lawrence thing. He he's got to learn to play differently. So you could throw out the Borthwick way. You definitely could do that. Well, okay. Can you describe to me what the Borthwick way is? Because I can't it's get my. I, I don't know what. But it wasn't against Scotland, was it? They, well, they, they know, actually. Weirdly, they went back to the to the old Borthwick game plan when they were chasing the game in the last twenty minutes. That that's what it was like. Mm. What are you doing? Now's the time to let go, like Wales did in the second half against Scotland. We're twenty seven points down. Let's go. Actually, England were eleven points down, or yeah, eleven point or, nine, or twelve points down, and then they started doing box kicks again. Yeah. You've got to be squeaky clean to win like this. The reason you've got to do that is because you're relying on mistakes from the opposition. And that's why I'm talking talking about mistakes. You are right, though, Tim. Like You can't chase a game playing, the, playing this style of rugby. South Africa could, could not win a game playing this style of rugby, and they're the best at it in the world. So how England expect to do it is beyond me. The box kick is where they feel comfortable. They feel that they can get it in the air. They feel that they can chase and apply pressure. And this game is about, is about pressure. The more worrying aspect for me would be the lack of suitability of the line-out, because this is what Borthwick does. Not only is he a line-out guru in the nuts and bolts and jumping and lifting and all that stuff, but he's a guru in terms of all of that and then using it as a, a launch platform. Didn't see it. Did not see it one one bit. And that, that to me, is the bigger problem. And then once that goes, you do have certain elements of the rugby game where you hang your hats. So I always think it's the line-out. It's the easiest thing for someone's coach it's the easiest thing for you to win it's the easiest thing for you to think that you're really good at but once that goes where does that leave your mindset for you know how you play in the open and do you have to force things which you would otherwise wouldn't force and there's probably some element of that going on as well yeah the, the line out i thought was okay overall although noting that was it the, th- the third duan try was scored off a england loss like i think the only england loss line out mm-hmm. although there's a few scratchy ones it was the the most fr- frustrating thing for me, particularly given the try after four or five minutes, was just the lack of cohesion and connectivity, attacking threat from the backs. Yeah. Because they scored that one try, beautiful, great yeah. attacking move, yeah. straight move off the back of a scrum. Yeah. It worked perfectly. F- um, Earl with the pick. Yeah. To care. To care. Who, who, missed, who, who missed out Lawrence. To the back of for to, Ford. To, yeah, no, takes, no, then Slade was the dummy line yeah. to Furbank. Great, yeah, perfect. lovely. And everyone everyone took the ball to the line. Yeah, The timing of the pass were perfect. The angles were perfect. You thought, God, if they can do that, they'll cut anyone open. And just no matter what, they just couldn't do it time and time and time again. And maybe that's maybe there is a... That's where the transition piece is correct from Borthwick, that they're, they're changing the way... I, but these, these are 
these are hyper talented players. Exactly, and, so the, it sh- and the more it time be. the more time they spend together, the less competent they seem <laughs> they to get. Seem to be, yeah, <laughs> which is the, which which says to me that like whatever Something they're doing in camp, and I don't know if it if it is a still a. We've heard stories in the past about that that Saracens clique. JB, you, you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. And there's there's the Saracens, and what's the other club? Uh, Saracens and Tigers. Tigers, Saracens and Tigers, who 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 love Borthwick, love Wigglesworth, yeah, swear by everything they do, and you can imagine the lads from Northampton going, "What, what, what are we doing? Can, can we not just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Can we not play, fling it about, fling it about, and not be successful for five years?" Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a disciple of Borthwick. I think broadly speaking, he's got it right. It's one of those. It's kind of. It is a bit like a Eddie Jones, which is he's not winning. This doesn't look good. Is the alternative better? In the case of Eddie Jones, yes, it was better. But what would be the alternative for England? Because I don't think there's somebody out there. Like back in the day, it was. I'm not saying get rid of both. That's that's not no, that's, no. that's not the point I'm making. But I guess the point you would be making is, what's well, the alternative style of play? It is tough, and especially when you watch that game and outside that, um, the two the two England tries, there was so little spark across yeah. that back line. Whereas Scotland were effervescent with the, the oh. amount of spark they had too, so much spark that every time there was a turnover ball you thought god they, they are going to score from here let me just um, put something else to you right so it's 30 points to 20 in the end right is 21 that, yeah 30, 30 21. 21 okay take off doing van der Merwe are you guys <laughs> still going to be really angry with England because <laughs> um, he's, an, he's an unusual player to put it mildly isn't he he, he is unusual um that is kind of like uh, if my auntie had uncles, uh, if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle. There's a lot of, of yeah. There's the, uh, that guy obviously had a lot of biltong or something when he was in South Africa. A lot of it at a young yeah. age. <laughs> Liquid biltong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, the particularly the try where he goes on the outside of whoever he goes on. Well, ben Earl and Henry Slade. And Henry I mean, Slade. That's, just, that's and unnatural. Just, that's just, uh, for a man that big, that is unnatural. But I, I spoke about his pace before. It's the most underrated part of his game. Is how fast he is. He's so fast. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there was yeah. Some, there was some stat about the equivalent. Oh, that might have even the been equivalent on an train. Email. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, Lorry. It might have been on an email. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't see it. it. Was it was something along the lines of the equivalent? Um, because he's the size he is and the speed he travels, he's the equivalent of like a a, a Fiat Punto would have to be going at ten, at eight, nine miles an hour to generate the same force <laughs> or something like that. I love it. Awesome. Which is broadly speaking correct. He's, he's an unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Now, I'm not saying that. Uh, well, no, I am saying that he's probably the difference. I don't know his answer. I don't know. But he he did make a huge difference to that game. He did make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. But there's still... It's, it's the bit that I can't... There's two bits that I can't get over. The handling errors from England were enormous. Yeah. But Scotland, there was a stat, uh, I think it was halfway through the second half, that at that point, Scotland had actually made more handling errors than England. They were probably less obvious because it was like going wide less. But England's handling error is bad. Scotland's ability to capitalise on England's handling errors was so huge. Yes. And vice versa, England yes. didn't capitalise capitalize on any of Scotland's hand, handling errors. So yes. that would be the two downsides for England, the handling errors and their inability to capitalise on turnover ball well, in their favour. As individuals, let's just focus on, on the pack a second. So I feel like I talk about Ellis Genge 
every single week now, which is unf- well, he's in the England squad, so maybe I should be talking about him every single week. <laughs> and his very talented wing defence sister who plays for Romans. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. Um, one of the reasons you'll be making handling errors is because you're not dominant at, at the game line. You know, you get over the game line, the defence is backtracking, everything becomes easier because you've got more space. Like, he's meant to be there as a carrier. Did not look like much of a, ca- a carrier to me. And then it just made me think, maybe it's not his fault per se, but he might just be the canary in the coal mine. Who, wa- who, wa- who was carrying the ball, effectively? I mean, where did that come from? So it's all right to say that you know, the boys were throwing shit silly passes and they looked you know, incoherent, but the, the, you know, the forwards have got to get over the game line. That's what they have to do, first and foremost. If you want everything to be easy, get over the game line. And I don't see enough of that. It wasn't until George Martin came on who I thought had a really... Do you know who else had a really good impact? It was Stuart. Uh, Stuart worked really hard for about 10 minutes, which you should do as a sub. But I just didn't see anyone really threatening the Scotland line or bending it. Yeah, the carrying from the forwards Weak. was an issue. I, and and yeah. you'd, you would normally look to Ollie Lawrence to, or historically Manu to do that. Ollie Lawrence had a really bad game. He had a terrible he had game. He a real stinker. It was a, it was a stinker. It, he's, now, he's just come back from injury. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's a hell of a player. That's his worst game in an England jersey. Yeah. Comfortably, I think. He threw it into touch. That was awful. Yeah, and it was at least two other handling errors besides that. I, mean, um, he, I just just got it here. Ollie Lawrence carried seven times for nine, a total of nine metres. Good God. As a, as a centre. That is bad. That well, is not good, is it? Is what, yeah. Uh, Tim Ward, yeah. Uh, just on that, contact chases at gmail.com. He says, uh, hi lads, I was quite frustrated by the media suggesting Ollie Lawrence is a traditional hard-running international 12. He simply does not have the same bulk as Barrett, Dialende. Dante, Aki, etc. He's a completely different kind of centre. Yeah, I agree. He must only ever be played at 13. We must acknowledge that the only 12 we have of an acceptable international standard is Tuilangi. No, disagree. Strong, yeah. disagree, hard. First, first half, there's first definitely that, some truth in that, yeah. yeah. First half of that email, ex- ex- exceptional. Second half, no. What about this one then? Ben Collins, contact chases at gmail.com. He says, uh, so what the hell does it feel like to be an England fan right now? Awful. Frustrating as hell. I struggle to watch now what looks like some absolutely brilliant individual players play some awful, confused mess of as a team. Uh, I read the lazy journalism that describes some of our world-class players. Nonsense. We need to wake up and smell the coffee that we don't actually have any. What defines world-class? Um, if there was two matchday squads of 23 out of the best players in the world, would any England player make it? I don't think they would. I don't think that's fair. Okay, so I do believe that if you put Marutoji in a... South Africa shirt, he'd be considered one of the best in the world. Uh, yeah, now, and he's, he is still considered one of the best in yeah. the world. And not only that, I think that a lot of the people that you think are not the best in the world now, always say they're the best in the world, but they're not. I think a lot of these lads, if you put them in a different environment, would absolutely excel. A, a different environment. Again, yeah. so what's going on in the environment? Because I, I look, you look at, if someone was watching that game today and go, one of these locks is a world-class uh, operator. You go, Scott Cummings. He's the, he's the boy. <laughs> That's who you'd pick on the strength of what you saw at Murrayfield. Yeah, I mean, Maratoji was actually one of England's better players. He was. I, I no, actually, George game. Martin, when he came on, I thought was great. I really Apart did. from his attempt at a retake. Uh, yeah. Oh, catching God, a restart, yeah. yeah thank that you. was horrific. Thanks for reminding me of that. No, but you know, the, the atmosphere might not be as simple as like what is happening in England, as in 
Team England. It could be something else, and it could be like just the dynamics of the Premiership or the dynamics of bringing the clubs together. Yeah, you know, the lads. Everyone's getting pe- having yeah. pay cuts, like, or just the lads themselves game. just not getting on. I mean, I have no evidence to suggest that that is the case, or any of these things. Are no. the case. I think it's probably most likely to be you know, within England itself. But they had loads of time together before the World Cup, and I can't say it's that much better then. No, not particularly. Um, ben just goes on to say, we have a type five that doesn't dominate the scrum, a back row where we've decided a wrecking ball eight is not needed to punch holes, substandard nines. Well, it's not that they've decided that they don't need one. They don't have they don't one. Have, there's not one available. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you know, there's six or seven of them just well, waiting to show up. Give it a couple of years, and, and it was a, a farce of an England-Saxons game today. I'm going to call them England-Saxons. It was a farce of an England-Saxons game playing Portugal's C team. What, what was the score in the end? 91-5. Great. But this, yeah. this, um, I think this really highlights uh, Dean Ryan logic. Where Dean Ryan, we uh, when he was Worcester um, head coach, we've beaten a team who have beaten one of the best teams in the top fourteen when they beat Oyana, uh, who had beaten Toulon. So beaten therefore, Toulon. who were the European champions at the time? Yes. Uh, so England hammered Portugal. Portugal beat Fiji. Fiji beat England. So England A or England Saxons are better than England. <laughs> England. <laughs> well, you, it'd be hard to disagree with uh, following this weekend. Well, it's hard to draw any conclusions out of that game, but and I'm not saying he's ready now, but uh, Rusty Tuima is 130 kilograms. Is he really? It, he's a very much in the French mould of a lock. Hang on. Rusty Tuima. Rusty Tuima. He was number eight at Exeter, now converted to a lock. Ah, who is the guy who is the number eight? Oh, what's his name? I love him. Yeah. What, Hans- of, handsome of Exeter. Oh, Exeter, Greg Fisselow. He, wow. he was on the bench for England Day. He looks like he needs to get a bit bigger. Rusty Tuima is big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And six, he's 6'5", he, 130 he's in, he's in the French tight headlock mould. He is? Yeah. It doesn't solve your number eight problem. Well, no, no. no but, but, but if he, you want someone like off slow ball to try and de- dent, dent the gain line, him and give it another year, I reckon, Chandler cutting himself. He, he looks like a test match strong, animal. strong, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is remarkably strong. When you see him go into contact and manhandles him, very ooh, big. Ooh, hello. He's yeah, that excites he's, me. He's nice, big, powerful hips as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. I like him leapfrogging so many lads to get in the squad. I didn't think I was going to, because I think you know, Tom Pearson, well, no, I'm not a big Tom Pearson fan at the moment, but, you know, Ben Curry or somebody probably deserved it more. I think they've got this one right. I do. I think I, this is um, this is the boy. And I th- when he when he um, did get selected, I said it's it's partly about what he can do now, but it is his potential. Given that he's only twenty or twenty one, his potential is absolutely Enormous. monstrous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Ben goes on to say substandard nines, a freaking so- mess of our own making in the centres, and the best club wingers watching mediocre performances of some players playing out of their club positions. Mm, who would you think the best club wingers are? I mean, Will Muir. Caden Murley. Caden Murley. Pains to say it, Joe, Joe Cock and a singer. He's been one of the best this year. Yeah. How much of that is having Finn Russell? Like, how, true. Absolutely true. How um, would Duan be as useful without Finn? Mm-hmm. No. Duan, Duan and Cock and a singer, they're probably, uh, certainly physically, they're two of the similar, most similar wingers on the I planet. I think Duan's bigger and probably faster, unbelievably. Uh, he, he, may, he may well be both, but if Thokkana Singer is not closest in um, athleticism yeah, and stature, yeah, yeah, who, el- who else is? Uh, uh, maybe Julian Surveyor five years ago, ten years ago? I'll just very quickly uh, round up. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. 
Uh, ben Lamb? He's, ben a, big, yeah. he's a big boy. He is a big, strong boy. Where's he? Is he at Bordeaux? Uh, is he Montpellier? He's somewhere Mont- in France. Yeah, actually. Actually. Not sure. He's also older than you think as well. Yeah. Joe's older than I realised. Keen Healy. 35, 36. 36? Yeah. Really getting on. Um, and Well, speaking of old props, Dan Cole, actually, he had a good game. His kick chase was Kick chase phenomenal. was exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> he made two or three outstanding tackles. He is, he's, I don't know, I, I massively got this wrong, and England got this wrong to their detriment. I said after the 2019 World Cup, he'd be done. He's actually probably still England's best tight prop. Which is depressing. Which is, uh, like, yeah, with the greatest of respect to Dan Cole, that's hang depressing. On, hang on. But just before you say it's depressing, how much better is he than other tight head props? Because we need to start asking this question now. Because he's not all... he's not that much better than other tight head props. Wales? He's definitely better than Wales' options at tight head yeah. prop. Scotland? Uh, uh, not Zander no. Ferguson. Okay, so who, who, who replaces Zander Ferguson? Miller Mills. Is he better than Miller Mills? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so, yeah. yeah it, it comes to the point where you think, okay, but, just because we're not comfortable with him, is he actually as bad as we think? Because I was on. Yeah, I was but, on, then, but then you go to like. Uh, France, so for, I, he wouldn't. <laughs> he might not be first choice in any top fourteen club in France. I think he probably would. You know, he, he probably would, but he's he's not making the he's not getting anywhere close to the French squad with um, Uini and Aldegheri. Um, Aldeg- okay, they are the both they are were, way better. Uini's a weird character because like he's just monstrously big, but you know after Aldegheri, he's he's got a shot. Because he does if Mohamed Hawass is in prison. He is in prison. He's very much <laughs> locked up. He's very locked up. Uh, but yeah, it's actually loose head where I think France is stronger than stronger than tight head. Mm. And then Ireland, they've got one very high quality. Uh, I think Finley Beelham's good. Uh, Tom O'Toole. So is, Finley Beelham is good. Yeah, Finley Beelham's that good. much better than Dan Cole? No, but I think I think he'd be fourth choice in Ireland. Yeah, Ireland would not would not countenance this. By the way, they would not countenance this behaviour no. like one bit. No. But um, you know, in terms of actually where he is compared to other tight head props, he stacks up pretty well. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not worthy of his spot. I just spotted this email from uh, Will Nicholson. Contact gmail.com. I think. Uh, um, it, I mean, I'm cognitive dissonance here. It echoes my thoughts, so I'm, I'm reading this one out. <laughs> Uh, a couple of thoughts from England, Scotland, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I was thinking about what a masterstroke Borthwick has played with people's perceptions of the team. This idea it's a team in transition, yet when you look at the players picked position by position, the amount of experience is ridiculously high. Yes, they don't have, quote, cohesion, but again and again, uh, again, is that more a uh, clever use of jargon? Do players really need to play together in those exact combos a dozen times before it works? Yes. The reason I highlight a dozen is because Borthwick mentioned Scotland's 10-12-13 combo. If that cohesion is so important, then why drop Dingwall and bring Lawrence straight back in out of position? He had an opportunity to, quote, build cohesion, but chose not to. I understand the reason, but it's frustrating to listen to. One final point that might sound reductive, but do England really need to play free-flowing rugby? Can't they just be good at defence, set-piece, aggressive, quick rucks, and see what happens from there? Last bit. Well done. Box, box kicks. Which is kind of the Which, Steve Borthwick man- mantra, isn't it? Which, yeah. Yes, but then... like, So Danny Kerr, who started, his box kicking was woeful. Mm, they are missing. So let's just give Borthwick his due for a second. When he has the personnel available to him, and the personnel in this case is one particular scrum half, Van, Van Portfleet, who can box kick like nobody else, particularly in terms of his range, maybe not the accuracy, but the range is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. It works well. 
you've got to give him his dues because he's not just trying to replace him like for like. He has gone into the stable of scrum halves and said, well, what are you actually good at? And then made those players play a style which they are good at. So he's not replacing them like for like. I think when Van Portfleet comes back, that will help him a lot because that is what he wants to do. He wants to box, kick and chase. Now, Ben Spencer's not terrible. Danny Kerr's not terrible. But they're just not Van Portfleet. Actually, Ben Spencer's kicking is very good. It is very, very good. Mm. Um, what do you make of the selection at 15? Because that was before the game. That was the talking point with Furbank. I, th- I thought it was maybe more tactical because Scotland don't kick high, they kick long. And so someone who can cover more grass. Because Finn Russell is very, very good at finding, <laughs> at finding grass in the backfield. But do you think Finn Russell just will think, today I'll kick high? I mean, well, it's not well, real- they did do a bit of that yeah. in the second half. It's not beyond him, is it? But also, that's... I mean... That's not necessarily a bad thing. If mm. if your selection gets um, a Finn kick, Russell to Finn stop Russell to doing change, something he's yeah, very good at, change yeah. doing what he's doing, Finn Russell that's, will that's, do. a, that's a good outcome. No, Finn Russell will, will do whatever is most effective on the day. He that's will, what he will do. He will do. So I, I I hope that isn't the reason because that would be ridiculous. Like, we'll just make Finn I mean, Finn Russell's going to work that out. No, but this is what I mean. I think it's the, the it's, I think it's the prescriptive data driven Borthwick um, flow chart spreadsheet model he was like right I have got Ollie Lawrence in now and Dingwall's out so that means I have my big man in the back line so I can get rid of one of the big men there because I need someone that's a bit that's quicker and it's rather than like a a feel it's a it's a robotic I've that box is ticked I need to tick this box and not just not kind of not having that sort of fluidity and feel for it what is the thing you'll have heard this from Chris Williamson when a when a measure becomes Z, the outcome is no longer a good measure. It's no longer a good it's measure. What I mentioned yeah. last week, good it, good arts law. That's the one, good arts law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When a, when a measure becomes a target, it's no longer Phil, good. Which is, I mean, that is high praise that? indeed, Phil. That, that JB heard, that JB thought what he'd heard from you was from Chris Williamson. <laughs> that's quite something, mate. So that was um, was that in relation to penalties. We were talking about it. In, yeah, because yeah, I thought about that today for, for, for yeah. penalties. I was like, um, yeah, okay. So five penalties is great. Now, five penalties will help you win a game, but in this case, it, 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 didn't. it didn't. Yeah, yeah. But if you hit all of those things, you should eventually win a game, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like... You're like 100% the, the, completion in the red zone. That, that's going to Yeah, happen. yeah. That, if scoring more points than the opposition, that normally helps as well. Yes. That's, that's the primary target. Well, hang on. <laughs> so actually, good also doesn't work, does it? Because like when the measure becomes a target, it's points. <laughs> On that, if you if you sim, um, boil it down Goodhart to the, here, right to the but that is the only fundamental target. Well, yeah, well, it's any other target. Bearing in mind that that points is the ultimate uh, aim, and that is the measure upon which games of rugby are decided. It was strange that that didn't seem to be in England's mind when they were chasing the game. Like I say, let's we're how many points down? Let's go for three. We're how many points down? Let's box kick. But they are good soldiers, though, aren't aren't they, England? Yeah. So do you remember it is mentioned in? the Six Nations documentary with Scotland, and I know this for a fact from a player who was there in the in the change room at the time, when Scotland were down like 30 points against England, they just threw away Gregor Townsend. They just ignored Gregor Townsend. <laughs> and Finn Russell jokes about it like, well, he has his ideas, I have my ideas, but I'm on the pitch. But England are good soldiers to the nth degree. I think it's that, you know, that private school kind of mm. um, compliance. And maybe, maybe it's not the private school thing, maybe you just don't get to where you need to in the premiership unless you are incredibly compliant. Because it's not like they are um, bursting with loads and loads of talent. Like, 
you you have to be really, really good. Sorry, that's not what I meant. Yeah, you have uh, to be really good because Finn Russell, if he wasn't Finn Russell, would have been bombed by Gregor Townsend. Gregor Townsend probably, in, in a funny way, doesn't. Well, from what we've seen in the past, would would have probably might. He probably would have felt more in control had, so had Finn not been there. I'm going to make a, 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 a different world prediction here. If Finn Russell was English, he would never have got a cap. And if Ryan Lamb was Scottish, <laughs> he'd have 20. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, I completely do. It's like Liam Williams never would have got a cap if he was English. Never in a million years. Jack Morgan would never get a cap yes. if he was English. So maybe that, that's the answer to your question, uh, Tim. Like, what is going on in the camp? They're just, they're just a bunch of Charlie Yuleses. Just like they, they love to sound sound the part. They love to say the right words. They love to say, look, oh, we're all look bought great in. in their kit. We're a team. They can lift weights, but they're all just compliant. They're compliant, boring middle managers. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I like the theory. I think we should shower a little bit of praise on Scotland. We already have on uh, Duan van der Merwe, who is just ridiculous. Finn Russell and was Finn Russell. outrageous. Ben White's been playing really well and he's taking he more has. and more of the game, the playmaking decisions. I was um, amazed, you know, when they let him go from Leicester Tigers. Mm, I know mm. they've got some great scrum halves and that's why they did it. But he was captaining the team when they let him go. The same season that they, they sent him to London. But they didn't even send him to London Irish. They just cut, they, they just yeah. cut him. He went to London Irish because he had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And now he ends up in Toulon. So I'm delighted to see Ben White doing yeah, well. Yeah, great. And really good player. Hugh Jones good, against good, England. Good Englishman yeah. as well, Ben An Englishman, yeah. Well, it's quite a few of those. that We did get an email pointing out how many of the Scotland team... Um, are actually Scottish. ...are actually Scottish or not. But we don't need to go into that. the same for England, is it? Vinopolas, Mike Cat, you know... Stuart well, Vinopolas were at school. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they were here since yeah. they, they were here. I, I, Generally, do not. So care I, no, but yeah, it's fine. Not so much. I'm not going into it. Um, <laughs> you I'll, do really care when it's uh, England um, getting potential dual cap players into the squad, yeah. though. No, do you know what I care about for that? <laughs> it's not England getting the best talent. I do not care about that one bit. I care about the corruption of the player's career because I think it's damaging to the player. So I think if you're get uh, if you're getting a player and you're telling him he's better than he is, and you're Example: Players shots. need to have more self-awareness. Then, yeah, but they don't do they because they're eighteen-year-old kids. They're idiots. They need to have better advice. Again, them. again. I mean, with the best one in the world, the advice were, the, the advice environment is very, very competitive. I, I don't know how many players as an agent I would keep if Scotland phoned up and said you're a fifty, you're a fifty cap hooker. He phones his agent and goes, "You're not a fifty cap hooker, mate. You're just going to find a, a, a different agent." Well, you don't believe in me. You're going to be doing my bloody contract. 
Like, so, so save your world would have, would have, wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the advice. You okay, need. breathe deeply. You need to know you're not a fifty cap hooker in any world. Are you a fifty cap hooker? But like they did this to Sam Moore. They dragged him into squad. They did it to Gary Graham. They dragged dragged him in, in into squad. I think Cam Redpath when they dragged him in, into squad. Cam Redpath then goes asks. I love the I love the emotive language. Dragged him into a squad. Kicking invited invited him into and a squad. Screaming. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't think it's good for the players. I think you should pick these guys. Look, if the guy's from South Africa and he's the best option you have, bring him in, play him. But don't mess around because they've got one English parent and you think Scotland might like, might be sniffing about because I think that's really wrong. Mm. That That's what I'm saying. Oh, by the way, we've not spoke about a player who I thought actually had a good showing with, I think, Welsh parents. Hugh Jones. Am I, oh, no, because we're not talking about that game. <laughs> oh, no, we are. Um, uh, Emmanuel Feo-Waboso. Looked like an effective force on the international field, I thought. Yeah, he he was in that game, probably the one person um, who showed an attacking outside back threat. Mm. Now that's not to say that Daly and Freeman and Furbank don't have that. All that they Rad, just, all that Radwan or Murley and others wouldn't either. Yeah, yeah, but they. They just didn't show it in that game. No, Faye were both so immediately showed his attacking. And threat. just to be clear, it's good. Just to be yeah, clear, yeah, yeah. Steve Great Borthwick try. has already um, directed a significant amount of money towards Anthony Watson, so he will be back in the team as soon as he's available. Oh, I don't get that. You know, that does feel like time to let him go. Do you know, there was um, a quote today from Mark Dobson, or this week from Mark Dobson, about Courtney Laws, who's moved to Breathe, mm. and he said we just didn't want to pay what they were paying effectively I think that's great leadership uh, as much as I love Courtney Laws uh, yeah, which I do uh, as, as a player and everything else that to me from Mark Dobson is exactly what you need to hear if you're into your club into your club rugby you need to know when uh, when to call time and when to reallocate your resources elsewhere Ireland should have lear- learned the same with Sexton and England should learn learn the same with these a- ageing wingers well, I don't think it's a good it's idea it's an interesting one but because the, the, the RFU now pay a chunk of Anthony Watson's wage is there, is there almost like a well we've kind of got, a, got exactly what there is there must be there yeah. must be there, w- there will be Steve Ball at least said we want this guy at least to bring him into the squad by the way I mean he will be in the squad um, also, isn't there. it just wrong to think that, you know, the RFU pay the salary for this guy and therefore he will probably get, he will probably get in the squad. So how, how am I, how am I trying, what am I trying to say here? They're paying the salary f- for this guy who, who, who then has to get in the squad. And yet if you just removed him from circulation of, you know, within the England team, somebody eventually would step up and take that spot because it, you know, that's just what happens. Um, they won't play people from France, so we know that this happens because people go to France all the time, and they are barred. They mm-hmm. they are barred from play, playing. People that people then step up. Why Anthony Watson bucks this trend? If you think he's too expensive for club rugby in England, send him to France. Mm-hmm. Send him to France, and if you still want him, change your eligibility laws. But don't keep one guy on a special contract. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of booking the trend. You've you've got to do it with. Consistent central contracts or a variant on consistent central contracts yeah. or not. You've picked not. You can't then have one or two people. Well, there's Jamie this. George. We understand Mario Toji. We don't, well, we don't know. There's more to come as well. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, um, but, but, but I was, oh, sorry, go, go on. on. So, no, 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 I was no, going to no. say back on Scotland, Hugh Jones was ace. Rory Dodge. I yeah. flipping love that guy. 
His good. work around the British, so his kind of post-tackle work to just disrupt and just make so it good. slow the game down. I'm a massive Richie fan. Richie, he had a good game. Yeah, like he's a very nuggety player. As he was well. not good against uh, against Wales. He was not bombed out the squad back in to start, and he looked good. He's just so unusual. The way he snaffles ball is very, he ch- he takes risks other players wouldn't around the breakdown, and often they 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 come up okay. Um, yeah, I just really like him. I think he's a really good player. He's, he's not again. He's a sort of guy who's quite unorthodox. Would never get in the England team. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't get anywhere. Not yet. even close. Not, not even. Wouldn't be in the top. I wonder. 15. I know we've been talking about like data driven, whatever it is, right? And this is what Steve Borthwick's up to. There must be some data to recognise why the Scotland players play so well, and they wouldn't get a cap for England. There must be something, and there must be a different way to analyse the crop of players England well, currently have. You guys have mentioned. You've both mentioned it before because England have such a big player pool. The physical attributes get, I think, disproportionately weighted. And yeah. actually, the rugby brain and the rugby IQ and just understanding and reading of, of the match and uh, that maybe gets pushed down uh, the thoughts. Whereas when you ha- when you don't when you don't have a, a bigger player pool, that's the stuff that rises up to the surface a bit more. There again, South Africa biggest playing. No, well, actually, it's not the biggest playing pool. Not by oh, maybe it's the biggest professional playing. Pool. Yeah, I bet it is the biggest professional because they're they've obviously got a population of. 55 million um, huge swathes of which don't play rugby but they've also got the, the school system and the college system mm-hmm. and the Curry Cup system and the, everything feeding into it the number of high quality players that come out of South Africa that oh, don't get anywhere near it. South yeah. Africa so have you finished talk, talking about this game does anyone want to say anything else well done Scotland fair yeah, play yeah, really yeah, good, yeah. Really, yeah good win I can't believe we've not really spoke more about D1 amazing but anyway Enough. So this week I was at the, I see, is it Reeves and Mills, the law firm? Don't know. Chandler Cunning himself? <laughs> the law firm? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chandler Cunning himself, law firm. And I was there for a networking event. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, I met some people who listened to the podcast, actually. So this is a, a sports networking thing with all local professionals. And unfortunately... The event which I stumbled upon was the women in sport event. Uh, well, the women in football event, to, to be precise, which was precisely as full of nonsense as Uh-oh. you would. As you would <laughs> Phil, you got uh, go on, Jay. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Um, as you would expect, right? It was just chock-a-block full of absolute cliche nonsense by the what can we call the um, diversity... Industrial complex. The question I wanted to ask: like a panel of five, right? And in this panel, um, you had like a woman. Uh, I, I, do you know? I can't even be bothered describing who these people are. They all basically totally agreed with each other. More must be done, and difficult conversations um, have to be had. <laughs> and the compare. It started with, now we all agree this is a massive issue. I just want to put my hand up and say this is not a massive <laughs> issue. We don't all agree. No, I, I, I'm here not to agree. I'm here not to agree. But I played the game and I just, nod, I just nodded along. <laughs> so that was the first part. The second part was far more interesting. It was about fan engagement and how to grow different sports and how different okay, sports, I'm in. sports have grown. So they had <laughs> one guy from the LTA, which is quite Ooh. interesting because obviously they've got an interesting... Oh, problem. And oh. I had some interesting conversations uh, um, with LTA members um, this week 
about paddle tennis. Well, this is the next bit, right? So go on. Right. I've heard about this. So paddle tennis, otherwise known as pickleball, which I you know is a mystery to me, but I saw it today in David Lloyd. Would you believe it? Um, so you've got the LTA guy. Right, and he is. That talking. is the most middle class statement anyone's ever ever said. Oh, I, I saw paddle ball when I was in David Lloyd today. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the LTA guy, right? But next to him, you've got this woman promoting paddle, pa- um, paddle or pickle or whatever the hell it is, which I didn't know, which I knew nothing about. So asking this guy how to spread the game, and he's basically got Wimbledon on his calendar, and literally no no other weapons at his disposal. And next to him is his arch competitor, and she's just telling him how they've got engagement of like God knows how many people. There's these paddle clubs popping up everywhere. They basically solve tennis, haven't they? All the hard bits of tennis have been removed, and you get this stupid uh, flappy paddle, not flappy paddle, but rubber paddle, paddle and like and, and away you go. Yeah, you can you can pick it up and play almost instantly. Yeah, if, if any level of coordination, you can have a quite competitive game instantly. Unlike te- if you play against. If I, which I'm not a tennis player at all, if I just picked up tennis, I'd be useless against someone who yes. can move me around the court, can spin the ball. I'd be completely useless. But paddle, you can play against a good player and be competitive. Uh, football tennis is is a thing now as well. There's actually um, my brother does that takes his his boys to, to play, and you get a, a t- like a tennis court, uh, like plays- a mini. It's like a squash court, shrunken down tennis court. Yeah. Feels like squash. You're in a and but you. But that, you well, play I, fo- I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing that in. In paddle courts, because I think that's a similar sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, probably mm, a similar thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, the last guy was, not the last guy, the other guy was really interesting. So he is a, a bloke, I can't remember where he's from, but I think they were responsible for building the boxing app. Do you, are you aware of this? No. So the boxing app is the scorecard. So you scan your QR code on your phone, you download the app, and as the fight, go, fight goes on, you score, you score the rounds. But everybody scores the rounds, and it gets fed into the commentators. Huh. Okay? And so the commentators are now making reference to what all the fans think. So if there's a dodgy decision, you've got this weight of opinion across the whole viewership saying, we think he won, he won, he won, he won. It would, I mean, it exposes dodgy judges almost instantly. But it's a really interesting mm. concept in terms of both your fan engagement and also the additional uh, content which you can create for the sport. And I thought, that is brilliant. Mm. What about this? Red card decisions. No. Exactly. Red yeah. card decisions. Basically, red card decisions or even the penalty app. Like, was that a penalty? And you, you just download your QR. Try yes or no. Try yeah. So that, that's going to come down to who's got the biggest population. Well, the problem with it is you couldn't just have, like, a scorecard and score it. I think you'd have to have, like, a live thing on, like, on your... Or your or your app would have to give you the options of what it was, which means if you saw a particularly nuanced thing at the breakdown, you couldn't just go penalty. Mm. So that wouldn't work. But if you could just say penalty, like, oh, sealing off, penalty, 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 there'd be all this information from all these thousands, if not millions of eyeballs. And at half time, it'd be so much more interesting. Like, well, half the population thought that that wasn't a penalty, or half the population thought that that was clearly hold, uh, holding on. It'd be really interesting. Mm. And... The problem with rugby is that we don't really understand how non-rugby pl- how non-rugby people view it. This would let us know. We could actually simplify the laws so actually the things that are important well, we enforce and the, the things we don't we don't. The, the thing is that would probably be quite inconvenient for uh, a lot of it when they go through. And I'm not saying um, I'm not saying for example the Jonathan Dante fine with it be fine by the protocol it would be a red card but it would be quite unfortunate when everyone's going oh yeah yeah clear red card that's just I'm unfortunate go, hold on fans really don't like hang this. on a minute hang on a minute hang on a minute right okay okay I think I've got it 
it's not a penalty thing. I mean, you can you can flush it with a penalty. It should be an enjoyment meter. <laughs> right. So when something happens like a fight, are you enjoying it? Ten, 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 <laughs> and all the administrators are going. Well, but they're not saying ten for the hacker. Why you know, is this? That's yes, how they're not saying ten for the group prayer at the end. That's how songs are. That's how radio stations decide what songs to play. No, they get a load of people in an auditorium and they play music, and these people have like a dial that they can turn up to ten or down to zero, and just and it's just they just get instant reaction. And they go, yeah, that tests really well. Um, but this is what Spotify do, I'm sure, right? Yeah. So th- that's what these algorithms w- would do. Th- there is something in something in rugby here. Like, when it all blow- blows up, I don't know, how do we know that people are paying attention because they, in- they interact with their app? There must be so many things that we could do with a much day app, which would give us so much more better data to not necessarily how to improve the game, but of what is it? What is in? What is of interest? And then sculpting the broadcast what, to to reflect. It's that. like on another level. So one of the, one cool thing about uh, streaming and digital platforms is you get instant feedback. So for example, uh, in in the radio work that that I do, we have a thing called Rajar, which is the biggest survey that happens outside of a general election in the UK. Uh, it's the, uh, the biggest survey, but it happens every three months. So basically, at the end of a three month period, and and a few weeks after that you get a picture of what it was like uh, okay. yeah, over the last three months. Yeah, yeah. So you're sort of looking back over your shoulder going, oh, that that seemed to work. Let's have a dig into why that was. Whereas when you get digital on- online platforms, streaming and things like that, you get instant live real-time data on that was a turn-off point, that was a turn-on point, all the rest of it. But this is just taking that to another level. So what about this? So a big event happens, right, and you instantly clip, clip it up. So you know, there is a scrum penalty. And it looks magnificent, and then your your app will say share, and then if you share it, then they just have data that people love sharing that that particular, that particular <coughs> clip. The reason I like that is because I wonder, do when something happens like there's a high tackle or there's a bit of thuggery, and people on Twitter go, "I will never watch the game ever again." How many shares did that get? Because <laughs> that would that would be a clue as to actually what people are really liking. Because I don't think people are actually that honest, sitting on like social media, what they actually like. Mm. Yeah, big hit, share. Yes, yeah. this is a great idea. This is an absolutely phenomenal idea. So I can't remember who this guy is, but whoever <clears> he was, if you're listening and you're in any way involved in decision-making in rugby, like I should be, um, just find out what this app is for boxing, the scorecard app, and then apply it to rugby and do it today. And install some waybridges. At the the steps, uh, at the uh, entrance to pitches. I I love the waybridge. The waybridge is my... Um, And the heavier side has pyrotechnics. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see uh, some frustrations around too much data this week? England? Uh, Not England. Okay. No. The Super Rugby kicked off. First game, first round of the season, where... Your Highlanders, oh yeah, uh, of Tim. Your Highlanders yeah. had a big win. Big win. Uh, my beloved Hurricanes hammered the Western Force away. JB, your Blues. I'm, I can't remember seeing that. Uh, no, they, they'll have won. The boys don't hammered. Have won. Hammered. Um, Mark Evans is beloved Fijian. Oh, Drew. did they? What was the score? Thirty-four ten. Oh dear. Um, the big, big game. The biggest game was the repeat of last year's final, in, where the Chiefs. Beat the Crusaders. Yeah, that was a big win. That big it's, win. It's mad. It's Scott Robertson goes, Crusaders lose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is Todd Black had a coach again. Uh, I don't think <laughs> yeah, so. Who is the coach now? Oh, 
a good question. I don't, can't, I don't can't, actually yeah. know. That's shocking. Uh, it wasn't break dancing after this. Let's put it that way. Um, but there was multiple. So they trailing the smart mouth guards, mm-hmm. and there was multiple uh, players getting taken off for HIAs when the players were kind of like looking a bit confused and then subsequently passed the HIA and went back into play. So I've seen a video with Scott Barrett, who was a bit frustrated at it. I bet. Um, if I had lots of money, like Bruce Craig money, and is this way inclined, I would definitely pay off the people who controlled the smart mouth guard data <laughs> to make sure the opposition team came off on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, boss, nothing we can do. Set the level for those guys <laughs> exactly at whatever it's 10G right. and everyone else is at 60G. Yeah. Uh, in fact, turn, turn hours off. Gone. <laughs> 200G it's got to be for one of <laughs> yeah. our boys to get if, it, if, it, if it's really serious, we'll know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like, you know, the opposition, yeah, 5G, something like that. Like, <laughs> if, you know, they, they catch a ball and they're off. Yeah, engage on the scrum, the whole front row goes off. I mean, it's, only, it's only a match of money, Matt. It's, it's only a match of money. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Because that is, it's going to be the future. And there'll be a lot of good data um, that can come out of this. What about, do you have got the scores, right? Well, now we've got this mouth guard data. Can we not have the Gs of the hits? It, the data would be available from the yeah, like like the in tennis, off. they have the speed of yeah, the serve in, instantaneously. Every tackle, G. Oh, well, oh yeah, ooh, good like, G. Bosh. Oh, oh, whole new lexicon of, like would would evolve on this. Like that guy generates some G. No one generates more <laughs> Gs than Chandler Cunningham South. Oh, the original G, the G yeah, master, the OG, G Shock, G Spot, <laughs> G Spot, G Spot. That's what it's called. It's called G Spot. The G Spot app. Oh my god! <laughs> What's wrong with these people that run the game? But that's so that is instant data on physicality, which is two things that everyone loves. Like the, the one Amazon have tried to do it, and they tried to do tried to give us a bit more data. But it's what they got was the, the kicking meters. So <laughs> Finn Russell just kicked it fifty two point seven meters. And it's like. I, I know that was a long kick. I don't need to know that it was four <laughs> metres longer than the preceding kick. It's just unnecessary. But the G-Force... That, that, and here's, here's another thought, right? Ken Owens puts in a giant hit. Oh, Kenny G! Kenny oh, G! I love it. Everyone called Ken would want to be a massive hitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people won't like this. Some people, some people won't like this because it will... Oh, you can't incentivize big hits. Well, this is it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yeah, we can yeah, yeah. Yes, we them. can, and yes, we should. We can incentivize the them. Hey, if you don't like it, go and join Eric Anderson. Go, go, go and join him. He'll have a he'll have a sport for you. <laughs> Within the laws of the game, I want the biggest hits possible. Yeah, maybe. Like, I wonder if because every player wears GPS that will have accelerometers in between the shoulder blades, don't mm. they? So if you don't want to, because we don't want the G-force applied to the heads. We want it applied to the yeah, players, right league, the, the tackling, the tackle areas. Um, so put an extra bit in that or connect that up. Yeah. There must there must be a good way. Accelerometer, the, that thing. 
I've is got, definitely the better way to I've got it. another one. Mm. If you put if you put something in uh, uh, in people's shirts that sort of measures the hits they take, maybe maybe and this this would this would appease the safety lobby, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of hits that people can take. So you know, like Street Fighter power bar. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you have to. Oh no, you've you've taken too many hits. Off you go. So you could take out take out Finn Russell. Bosh. I wanted Bosh. back in the day. My, KO my training aid for rugby, which I dreamt up of. Sit mitts. <laughs> sit mitts, yes. So, yes Old quite. reference for pod, long-time podcast no, listeners. Sip tips. Sip tips. Right? It was a graduated system, I believe. Yes, yes. <laughs> sit mitts. Why did I not pattern sip that? Sip tips. And now tips is, is, out, is out of the game. Like, there's, no natural, there's no natural partner for me. Anyway, uh, it was bibs that light up. Mm, I so, remember you talking about this. One of two things would happen. If you got touched in touch rugby, it would light up to avoid cheating. Or you could use it in a defensive drill. And then the coach could light up a bib or two bibs or three bibs, which are no longer allowed to tackle. Mm. Just be just be great. Just the interactive thing which coaches could do. Not as hard as well. Not not difficult mm. to do. It'd be dead easy, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure you want to be really around battery, like car battery packs. St- uh, <laughs> what the, what's the club? Oh, is it Exeter? I think it's Exeter. Have I don't know if they still do it actually because I haven't watched them play in a while. But they always had in their warm up different coloured lights on chairs. Oh, on right? the pitch and for the for the kickers they'd sort of like pass the ball to the kicker and then they'd flash a light and the kick they'd have to kick to to that to oh, that I light love it. it's really cool mm. i've never seen that yeah i don't know if they still do it slight advance on Razzie and Ninaba's uh oh, yeah. red light yeah. green light <laughs> we should talk about ireland we and should. wales and wales and wales because there was some interesting stuff just after half time from wales yeah most of the rest of the game was a bit to forget for them but they, they really showed, first 10 minutes of the second half, they came out of the blocks and did some positive things, got the penalty try, and could have scored another had things gone their way. And I'm, I'm only going to very briefly touch on, I'm only going to mention England again briefly, but it's just yeah. just, to, just to sort of double down on the point you just made. Guys like Cam Winnett, who've hardly played any senior rugby, let alone international yeah, rugby, yeah. and he has a level of competence that... 50 cap England players can't seem to muster. Mm. So anyway, but yeah, you're he right. looks good, winner. Right. I've been really impressed with yeah. So, look, they're a bunch of brave blokes. I massively respect what they do. They're just not good enough, are they? And I kind of feel that this is, all the Six Nations, first two games, maybe a bit of a dead cat bounce. That's they, they, all I can say, really. They are. So they lost those first two games by a total of, what, three points, was it? Mm. But they, they could have been hammered by Scotland that could have been a 50 point loss had Scotland not started giving yeah. away penalty after penalty and after then, penalty, and after then, penalty. Well, there's two teams in that and Wales could have also won the game can you just push your leads in just make Ooh. sure they're solidly in the back mm-hmm. good better uh, or do you want, maybe it's want me to unplug so hundreds making thousands making sure that this doesn't happen I know I don't know what's going on it might be my headphones actually no, it's definitely not my headphones. Okay, I think it's okay. It's only okay. very faint in the background. Sorry. Anyway, it's only just <laughs> happened. We're fine. We're this far in. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I just don't know. I, again, it, I think Warren Gatland, has a, just as a man manager, he manages to squeeze more than players are capable or should be capable of giving. Their their defensive effort, the Wales' yeah. defensive effort right throughout the game was huge. And they it was only in the 81st minute that Ireland got the fourth try that they really wanted to get yeah. because of that Wales huge huge defensive effort yeah 
some of the island stuff that was magnificent. It is. So there's no other way to describe it. Uh, the pass from Nash to Lowe just made rugby look easy. Yeah. But the preceding carry by McCarthy just accentuated well, that. Well, that whole like, couple of minutes, they, I mean, it was great defence from Wales. Ireland were knocking on the door. It was like they went, they managed to, within five to ten metres of the Wales line, have about 15 phases go coast to coast twice go short, go wide, try a speculative pass, always keeping hold of the ball, retaining it, and then eventually, like you say, a great offload. It's just yeah, it's just a different level. I don't know really what to say about this, because, well, my thoughts on Wales are summed up nicely there. Fine. Just Ireland, they're just too good. They're just too good. Their, their ability to just comfortably, like, exactly as you've described, comfortably attack right across the width of the pitch with multiple different runs in multiple different directions out the back heavy carries offloads and just seemingly always just retain the ball and look so comfortable doing it it makes England putting two phases and knocking on or um, Furbank headbutting it through or Lawrence passing into touch or Ford passing someone's feet it just makes it look amateurish it really really does they're so good they are so good (laughs) and it it looks like it's a done deal on this Six Nations. It it does, doesn't it? I mean, Scotland will have to win by points. Well, it's the main thing now is it looks like it's Ireland's championship. Even if they lost to Scotland, they'll probably still win the championship. It's all about the back-to-back Grand Slams, which has never, ever been done in Six Nations history. Has it not? No, it's, it was done about 40 years ago in the Five, five Nations. Five Nations. Mm. Well, best of luck to them. But it's an incredibly hard tournament to win let alone to win every game of. And they are three from well, three with three argue, bonus points. You? You'd argue well. that back-to-back Six Nations is actually the real Grand Slam. Yeah. The reason I say that is because it's yeah, home, home away, and away. away. Yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Ten, ten wins ten out of ten yeah. is outstanding. So, don't know what else to say about yeah. Ireland. Just I'll, I'll awesome. rattle through a few of their players. Uh, Andrew Porter. Uh, I mean, there was there's a bit of debate some people have about... Was he scrummaging square or not? But well, I mean, what a specimen! Dan Sheehan is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe McCarthy is the real deal. Yeah, I agree with that. Tyburn, what? I mean, he, he went off for ten minutes, and still his his work rate and his stats in the seventy minutes is mo- more than most people get in one hundred and forty minutes. <laughs> He's outrageous. Uh, Jack Crowley looks great. Jameson Gibson Park is so good. Like the one question is what. If you were picking a Lions side, and I'm not going down that route, just let's not pick a Lions team, but other, I'm thinking Finn Russell, Duan van der Merwe, and the Irish team. Well, it, you'd argue, because one of the things that makes Ireland better than the sum of their parts is the cohesion. So you'd actually argue, there, there is an argument to say, just put the, just the Ireland 23, just put them forward. Um, and that's not how it works yeah. with the Lions, but... Um, you take pieces out who aren't used to that system, in particular with Farrell being the Lions coach. Just play Ireland. Yeah, play Ireland. All of them. Well, they basically played England once, and they've almost played uh, Wales once, I think. So Wales dominated the... Was it, was it the Clive Lions, maybe? Second test. They had a lot of... Oh, well, 2005. When they, cause they, just, they were just coming off a Grand Slam. Um I'm sure England have had massive representation. Wales have had massive, massive yeah, representation. 2013, it was, I think that was quite big, particularly around the um, 
where Bod got dropped for the third test. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Definitely a little buzz on this line. I'm going to have to no. try and... Shall I, I unplug this? Because we... It's, it's, it's that one. So Is it? It's, it must, must be the lead. Yeah, it's definitely that one, Jay. Can you hold the lead, move the lead around? Sorry, everyone. That's made it worse. Brilliant. Is it, I think it's because your it's, it's, the lead is running over your Mac plug. So maybe a bit of a electromagnetic interference going on. Live. Yeah, that was it. Got it. It was simple as that. Your lead there was on go. the plug. We know now. There we, we go. So um, we've done, done with the rugby. Any more rugby? Anyone want to talk about uh, any more rugby? Aaron Wainwright is a hero. Yeah, he's very good. Just the problem with Aaron Wainwright is I think he's much better going forward than defending. He did very well defending. In the same way, Tommy Raffel is much better defending than attacking. Mm-hmm. All these Welsh players are very good at a certain thing because they're professional players. They're just not all rounders. Uh, they're not big enough up front. They're not big yeah. enough in the front five. Not having a not having a scrum is. Yeah. Any one of these guys can have a phenomenal game if that game suits them, but they're just not good enough to be always good all the time. Mm-hmm. Agree with that. Yep. Um, right, so we're done with the rugby. So there's no games next weekend? No. Nope. Um, there is Rugby Europe Nations Cup Championship 2024 thing, which um, our prediction that Portugal would play Spain in Lisbon next weekend actually came true even though Portugal lost to Belgium in the first round because they subsequently beat handily beat uh, Poland not that impressive but Romania away is quite impressive Mm. that is the fixture next weekend Mm. that sadly we're not going to oh well maybe next year maybe next year Um, so yeah I think we've and there's no real games next weekend then so are you ready to play as some audio? Do you want to give us some background? Or well, do you want to play you know as me. the... I get in situations which I shouldn't get in situations. <laughs> Occasionally. And it ended up in me sending Josh Gardner from Blood and Mud the following... Sorry, just go back again. I missed... I need to, need to hear the start of this. Go just on. that I get myself in situations which you don't expect me to get into. Right. So it ended up with me sending Josh Gardner the following voice note. Are you ready for this? <laughs> okay. Mr. Gardner, how are we? You'll never guess why I'm calling you. You'll literally never guess. But I want your professional opinion on something. So, (laughs) my father is the head of the National Flying Club. That's not light aircraft, that's pigeon racing. And he's currently investigating uh, the expenses around building the pigeon paper. So they've got a paper, it's 52 pages long. And he doesn't know anything about the world of publishing, particularly not niche publishing. And I said, do you know what, Dad? I know a guy. I know a guy who knows all about this stuff. So the question is this. What kind of resource would you need to put into right. the publication? Yeah. So you get the idea. I want to give a massive shout out to Josh. Josh oh Gardner God! For, <laughs> I thought it was going to be some spicy uh, <laughs> for enormously helping spicy out rugby, <laughs> me, spicy rugby culture wars stuff. Right? <laughs> what a good bloke! What a good bloke! Despite what is perceived to say, despite all of our perceived differences, went above and beyond to help to help me out. Trying to save thing is, he, a what, racing pigeon paper that's for great. my dad. Now all, that, now all that would need to happen is for everyone, and you, as you've just done, 
everyone to acknowledge that we have m- many more similarities than our differences, <laughs> and, and it's okay to disagree about. Do you want stuff. to know something about the Racing Pigeon, which is the paper owned by the National Flying Club? Which is, I by the way, I some. Growing up, my dad's always kept pigeons. He's always been mad into pigeons. Same way that I'm mad into rugby. That's probably where I get this obsession from, <laughs> right? And now he's because he's retired. He's the president, maybe. I don't know his official title, but he's fairly. He is. He's a decision maker in the National Flying Club, right? And they own a paper. How many subscribers do you think they get to a weekly pigeon paper? Um, is this in UK? The, yeah, yeah. In UK the- only. The, uh, well, it might be UK and beyond, to be fair. Uh, in the dozens or hundreds. Is it, is it in physical form or digital as well? Physical form. Physical form, okay. Uh, I think you can get it digitally now, actually, so okay. maybe maybe it's both. Okay, if it's physical only, I'm going to go 1,500. Yeah, I'd, physical actually push it up slightly just because... Well, yeah, up more than 50 to 100. Yeah, five... <laughs> 500 to 1,000, that that kind of range. 9,000. Really? 9,000 wow. people buy this thing. Can wow. you imagine that? So he's been landed with this... Weekly. Weekly. Like what the, weekly what, what changes from week to week? Well, well, this is it, isn't it? Right. So 52 pages of weekly pigeon content for £1.60 a go. <laughs> I mean, that, that is remarkable value. I, I, I know bits about pigeons. I couldn't fill up 52 pages... Every single week, but there, that's there, there's there's a, I, I mean I, I know the clientele probably won't like this, but I would say there's a there's an opportunity to, for a fun send up of a page three. Well, check out, <laughs> check out this bird. <laughs> yes, page three bird. Well, this is it. So I was listening to the problems that the flying club are facing, and I was thinking like this is definitely a question for the podcast, because we talk all the time about how do we improve rugby? Well, there's actually a bit of sport out there which we can literally improve <laughs> tomorrow. We have the ear of the presidents. It's like, well, so what could you do? Uh, so what do you think their three sources of revenue are? Uh, membership. No, actually, that wasn't listed, listed as one. But okay. I, I assume you would okay. have to uh, en- Entry into events that they put on. Yes. So they've got w- one race. It's a one loft race, right? So what happens is you send your bird to one loft. You start the season, you get your bird, you send it to one loft. And that is in Norfolk, would you believe it? And then that bird is trained in that loft with all the other birds. You pay like 500 quid to send your bird. I'm, I'm imagining like a Rocky montage here when you say trained <laughs> exactly. in the loft. Well, this is it, right? This, this is exactly it. And there, well, do you know, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, and then these birds get taken away to France and then released. And because they're all going to the same loft, then whoever's bird comes back first wins the whole prize pot. Mm. So you can w- win a lot of money. Now, do you know who's, uh, could bring it back to, back to rugby, do you know whose father... Uh, is employed by pigeon lofts. I mean, this is great. This, this is to is... go on the list, list with Luke Narraway. <laughs> Luke Narraway, no. Dad's a butcher. Um, Nick Kennedy. No. Mum's an author. Uh, Miss Johnny May's mum. No. Taught Ed Sheeran guitar. It's on that list. What's, what have we got? Don Harmon's dad. Don Harmon's dad. dad. Yeah, so he, so he looks after a loft in South Africa, uh, which is, is the million, million pound race or million dollar race. So, so that, that's what the prize fund is for uh, for doing this thing. Now, when I heard that there was a single loft in Norfolk, I, my mind's like, well, what else happens here? Like, is there is, is there, there a, a, is there a World Series? Well, like, do you not think that is an, all, an awesome F, like opportunity? F1. You could have teams like F, 
Uh, Tim, Tim, uh, right, okay, so I was thinking, well, if they're all coming out to the loft, why have you not got the pigeon fanciers who've sent the birds to the loft all coming to have some beers and a marquee and an event to celebrate your biggest race of the year? Why is that not a thing? That should be, that should be like their biggest event. It should be like, like F1. Mm. It should be, I mean, it's not going to be like F1, but like you've got the vendors of, um, pigeon-based paraphernalia. Can, can, can you track them so you can kind of have commentary of sorts? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So this is another thing which I've got. They've got this tracking technology now. But of course it's so expensive so not everyone can have it and whatnot. So well, why don't they just have one bird per race with it on so you roughly know where all the birds are? Roughly. So what do you reckon the other so- sources of, of income are? Uh, okay, so got the, do they issue licences or anything like that? Well, they've got the paper, they've got this race, and there's one other source. Um... And you already know it, Phil, because I've told you. Calendars. You did tell me. No. Nope. Oh, I've stash. Um, not stash. Stash, yeah. Stash, yeah. stash, stash. stash, stash. Uh, the, the pigeon oh, rings. Pigeon, pigeon, pigeon stash. rings. Pigeon rings. They sell rings for 20 pence a go. I'm like, Dad, why, why are you not branding these rings? So it could be 20 pence are they a normal big enough, Are they big enough to brand? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. That. So I was thinking, like, who is the most famous pigeon in the world? I don't know. I've got no idea, right? <laughs> but there must be somewhere, like, the most famous pigeon in the world. We don't have... Any idea what its ring is? So that ring should be worth something. It should be branded up. So if you love your loft, you presumably would want to brand your loft. And like the medieval knights have your own coat of arms on these rings. And that surely would mean something. <laughs> and instead of being 20 pence, surely it'd be like a pound. Or you want golden rings for five pound. I mean, they they spend a lot of money on pigeons. Why would you not put a, fan, a fancy <laughs> ring on there and double, triple, quadruple your profit? Do, do, can you, do, uh, presumably like horse races, you breed like... Yeah, absolutely. You, are there like yeah. pigeon studs? Absolutely, stock yeah. birds. Yeah, so that's another way they make money. Is it? I've got a rapid pigeon. That is absolutely true. That's exactly what they do. Like, so they've got all of these things which they could do, and obviously they're not doing. They're not doing many of them. Like, you need to. You, they've got. They've not got a podcast. And I was like, Dad, you realise I've got the world's only podcast that could do both rugby and <laughs> pigeon racing. <laughs> you know, the name is ubiquitous here. Neville Southall to host it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, do, you know, do you know there's a pigeon racing <laughs> podcast? I, I, I want that. Exactly. Well, you know Neville Southall used, well, used to come around my house when yeah, we were younger. You've mentioned it before. That's yeah, why I mentioned him just yeah. then. Mm. Neville Southall, a resident of, of, of London. No, massive p- pigeon racing fan. Do you know who, el- who else is a massive p- p- pigeon racer? Don Harmon's Ever- dad. Now I know that. Yeah. Now, but, uh, e- Everton player. Historic Everton player. Um, hard man. Okay. Uh, Norman oh, Whiteside. Duncan, F- Duncan Ferguson. Duncan Ferguson loves his pigeons. Wow. Loves his pigeons. So if you if you race pigeons and want to get get get, get in touch, and now I'm got, just trying to think of a name. We've already come up with a name for your little rugby, um, or our listeners came up with a name for your um, your little spin-off podcast with Mark Evans. Economics, with, which is out next Tuesday. Economics. I listened to the rugby. first one. It's very good, much, isn't it? Very much enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Economics. Now, now I'm trying to think of um, a, a pigeon. Egg chasers, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, egg chaser still works. Yes, oh, that's, 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 that's your point. That's, that's that your point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so don't get those two podcasts confused. <laughs> Egg Chasers Rugby, Egg Chasers Pigeons. Yeah. Keep an eye out for a new... Yeah. new it's amazing, soon. you know. So if you want a, a little insight into how rugby works, I guess, or how any sport works, which is entrenched, just go to one of these mi- mi- minority sports, like pigeon racing, and you pitch an idea, and the, it's always a no. It's always a no. So the no for the um, branded rings, for example despite all the yeses which you get and the fact it might save the sport because it, it will drive revenue, would be, well, 
they might recognise the ring and not return the birds. There's a culture in pigeon racing of returning stray birds that you get. But if you've got a bird which you know is a good one, why would you give it back? Well, that's the only downside. I mean, Mm. there's lots of upside. But but that's the sort of thing that the people who are already involved in sports, no matter what it is, tend to say no to absolutely everything. Mm. It's very difficult. I imagine pigeon racing, like rugby, is very traditionalist. Yeah. And also it's like trying thing. to turn an oil tanker around it. Yeah. Uh, um, it takes a long time. Another thing is, they don't talk about the history. Pigeon racing has got a phenomenal history. Like If you think about all of the homing pigeons during the war, it is a really interesting story. Like the lofts which are used to communicate in the Second World War is one of the most... Um, it was one of the most reliable ways of getting messages home. Mm. So there, there, there's all sorts to go up. Mm. I love it. Any other business from you, Phil? No, nothing. Nothing I can think of now. My brain's just full of pigeon. My my AOB would be Schwab. Schwab. My AOB would be. I've said it before in the podcast, but I finally finished season two of The Bear. It's so good. I've never even heard of it. It's so good. Is that the cooking show? Yeah, it's about a guy who's like an amazing chef, oh. and he goes back home to take over his brother's sandwich shop in Chicago, and. It's absolutely awesome. Interesting. Season two of it is brilliant. So I've started watching Billions. quite enjoy that. Yeah. It's reasonable. I like, um, I like Wendy. She's ace. Who's Wendy? The main one in Billions. Is that the wife? Yeah. Okay, I'm still sort of... I mean, Paul, and Paul Giamatti's awesome. Really? He's, he's the the, um, the, so, ma- the main guy. No, not the, no, not, not uh, Damien Lewis. He's the, the husband of uh, Wendy. I've got to say, I've got a real thing for the psychologist one. Yeah, that's Wendy. Oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> my word. She blows my mind. Yeah, that's Wendy. She's the, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, she's awesome. She's great. Mm, there you go. Phil, um, um, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned it on the podcast very briefly a few weeks ago, but I'm reading um, probably three quarters of the way through The Spy and the Traitor, which is an incredible real story of a KGB double agent who was stationed in Britain and passing secrets from inside the Soviet Union to Britain during the 70s, 80s. Fuck. And it is, it's unbelievable. It's a phenomenal book. Uh, I would really recommend it. Do you know, I met a guy this week who wrote a book. He wrote the, he wrote the channel um, himself, well, with a friend, I guess. But then he also wrote a book about Ronald Fiennes also doing it. And he sent me a signed copy of his book and a little note in it this this week. And back to rugby, I got in touch with him through one, Jackson Ray, because they work together. Mm. And as soon as I said, oh, I, you know, our office is in Londonville, he's like, well, one of our fellows is in Londonville, and instantly went for a coffee. And uh, there nice. we go. I presume. Ooh. I presume the um, the Jackson Row, uh, Jackson Row, Jackson uh, Ray, Jackson Ray brogues are up in the upstairs. Uh, well, he, he's not been to Manchester yet, so we're going for lunch next okay. week or week after. Mm. But yeah, all very exciting stuff. Very Excellent. good. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. So you got a book, you got a TV show, and you've got a new sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be updating with with. Uh, Pigeon updates as the season progresses because we're right on the verge of a brand new season. Wow. <laughs> yeah. like, like F1. It, does it follow the F1 season? Yeah. I, there, tell you what, there are some, there are some peculiar characters. There are some <laughs> peculiar characters. It's, it, it's a strange old sport, but it's, it's an endearing one. Yeah, mm. I bet. Right, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, 
uh, hit subscribe patreon.com slash egg chasers for more we must do another episode of that soon yes we really must that's on the hit next list next week and other than that let the boys end let the boys end small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips runs uneven coverage or anything else custom spray five in one only from rustoleum roundabout season two presented by nissan is live now and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way we're talking rest stops if we're stopping to get gas you will be timed misguided plans i grew up in the city so i have like you know a healthy fear of real extreme darkness <laughs> a lot of laughs y'all weird but you yeah you you were different and so much more Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.